You are listening to Quality Time, a podcast designed to support Nebraskan providers through their journey with Step Up to Quality. I am your host, Colleen Schmidt. Get ready to listen as we prepare to elevate each other as we step up to quality. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today's a fun one. Today, I am speaking with Janae Chapman. Janae is a dedicated member of our early childhood workforce team here in Nebraska, and I want to let Janae tell a little bit about herself and maybe a little bit about her journey. So welcome, Janae, and can you tell us about, I'm so happy you're here, tell us about you, Janae. Well, hello, everyone. Um, Like Colleen said, my name is Janae Chapman, and I work for the Department of Education, Office of Early Childhood, and the Training Center. Um, And so there I am a program specialist. Uh, My love and my passion was ignited for education when I was a young girl, uh, watching my family, uh, watching teachers that I had, and just in general friends that I knew that were teachers, um, and just watching them navigate through the education field and see their love and passion for education. So I was privileged to start off at Um, a head start in New Jersey uh, for my preschool years, and then move on to public school in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, I knew early on that after being able to uh, experience a great, great success, and then sometimes challenging foundation um, of education, I myself wanted to, you know, kind of make a difference for myself um, and, and give back to education. So, Like so many others, you know, that poured into me, I wanted to do the same. Uh, So I started off a long time ago as a teen, you know, watching, you know, my cousins, my neighbors, children, you know, around the way uh, and so on and so on. And so that just began my love for making sure that the children that I watched had the tools they need early on and had a healthy foundation uh, moving forward. And so I took that and then I decided to get a degree. And so I graduated from Virginia State University, which is an HBCU, um, which is called the Historically Black College University, um, with a degree in interdisciplinary studies, which ultimately was early, excuse me, elementary education. Um, And after graduating, I jumped right into early childhood. Um, I began a a teaching career as a preschool teacher at a small preschool in Portsmouth, uh, Virginia. Um, And I had about... I believe like eight students at the time, which was a great number because this was my first classroom. (laughs) (laughs) And so after about a year, um, I transitioned into public school uh, where I changed from having eight to having 30. So that was totally different. And in my time at the public school, I taught from K all the way up to fifth grade. Um, First grade was like my absolute favorite because it was like in between still being kind of like I need you to hold my hand but I'm trying to be independent I love that stage um and so while working I myself and my husband you know we got married and uh we started having little ones and 
I realized that I was putting so much into other people's children and not my own. Uh, and so I had to take a step back from the classroom um, so that I could take care of family. So ultimately, I was pouring into other children, giving them a solid foundation. I wanted to do the same for my own. So while uh, while doing that, you know, raising little ones, I went back uh, for my master's in educational leadership. Um, and so I also started an in-home. Uh, so I was able to earn that extra income, still providing for my family, still pouring into other people's children while pouring into my own. During that time, I also was a program specialist with the Virginia Quality, similar to Step Up to Quality, uh, where I was um, privileged to help other providers in, uh, in the field with uh, growing and, and learning and getting to see children as well. Um, and so after that, uh, my, my husband, who is a pastor, uh, was called to Omaha, Nebraska. And, um, and we moved uh, with our small family at the time. It was just my husband, our two children, and myself. Um, and so we started our journey again, you know, in Omaha, Nebraska, in, in early childhood for myself. My husband actually stayed home with our two so that I could continue my journey in early childhood, uh, working with some phenomenal programs here uh, in the Omaha and Lincoln area. And then the last stop, I'm saying the last stop, <laughs> was the Department of Education, um, Office of Early Childhood. And, and during that time, I had two more children. So now we have four. Um, so I'm still pouring into children, uh, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. Janae, this is my favorite part of the podcast because I did not know any of that about you. And I have been professionally working with you in a variety of ways for a few years now. And that is lovely. I did not know that you were at one time uh, a home provider. I didn't know you taught in the elementary world. I didn't know you've worn all the hats. <laughs> I love that hubby is so supportive. Yeah. And said, go keep continuing on with your journey. And that's what we're talking about today on this podcast is really the importance of continuing with learning. We're going to touch on professionalism. Janae is going to give a, a wealth of knowledge about uh, CDA opportunities that we have here in Nebraska and what that looks like. But I'm so glad you had that intro because I didn't know any. I First of all, I thought you had two babies. I didn't know you had four. Me too. A You're whole crew. A whole crew. It's a different kind of fun, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> Me too. I've got a whole crew too. And I love what you said about wanting to set that solid foundation for the children you were serving when you were in the classroom and then realizing that you want to do that for your own sweet babies at home and continue to work with other children too. I think that a lot of our listeners can relate to exactly what you just said and that that pull and desire to always be serving. And we want to make sure we're serving our families and selves too. Right. So I love that. Well, let's, let's dive right in. So All our right. podcast is really going to focus on professionalism first. Let's talk about that first. What is that? So why is it important 
to have professionalism in this field, Janae. It, you've been in the field for a while. You've worn many different hats. You've seen different avenues of how to serve, how to provide. I love that you mentioned with your work now for NDE, you're still serving kids just in a very different way. Absolutely. Everyone who works with Department of Ed, Step Up to Quality, that is still our solid why. The how looks different, but that's our why. So why does it matter what professionalism looks like in the field? And maybe let's get a little specific with it. So I'm going to ask you, Janae, to refer to the statement from NAEYC or the National Association of Educating Young Children on their code of ethical conduct, because some listeners might not know that we actually in our field have a code of ethical conduct. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is and maybe even where we where we find it? Sure. Um, so we can all agree that childhood is a unique and valuable stage in life, right? Um, we start to form who we are as a child. So it's important that us as educators provide childcare and education in settings that are safe, that are healthy, that are nurturing, that are responsible to all children, not just some, but all children. Um, so being able to be a professional and educate ourselves on the children that we serve. Um, I like to call them little scholars mm -hmm. uh, that we provide service to. It's very important. Uh, this document helps educators with navigating through the early childhood field. Um, as you said, many often don't know that this document exists. So if you go to naeyc.org um, and just look up ethical position statement, you're able to find it. Um, but it simply gives us a form of guidance in how to conduct ourselves with not only the children and the families, but to others that we work alongside of in the field. Beautifully stated. I love, yes. And honestly, I went back before recording this podcast, like full disclosure, I went back and reviewed and was like, hmm, I need to revisit this code of ethical conduct. I know it's there. I know it's available for me, but it really gets very specific. So when I did go back and revisit it, there were a few things that stood out to me that I, I'd like to share with our listeners, and then I'm going to give you the opportunity to just go because the way we're going with this is going to set you up to tell us all about CDA. Uh, but again, I had to look it up and revisit and rethink about what this means as a professional. And it really just gives us a place to come together um, as a workforce that lays it out of what do we mean? What are we looking for when we have this ethical code of conduct. So it, it really is addressing our professional relationships with children. Like you mentioned, the little scholars, I love that. With our families that we're serving, because that is a big part of our job. It's not just about serving the kids, but serving the families. It outlines our relationships with personnel. That one I like. And when I revisited that, I was like, mm, we're going to talk about this. <laughs> We need to talk about relationships with personnel and what that means. Mm -hmm. And then also with sponsoring agencies and governing boards, such as 
step up to quality or the Nebraska Department of Ed. And then also our relationships within the community and society that you're serving. Because when I like to say, when we work in early childhood, we're investors, right? We're directly investing back into Omaha, into Nebraska, into the country, no matter where you live, into West Point, into uh, Shadron, we are directly investing back into our state and we're just becoming better. Um, so specifically, let's talk about personnel and the code of conduct. So I, I made a little note uh, under when you all, if you decide to choose to look up the code of conduct under NACI, which I encourage you to do if you have a little minute, it might seem a little overwhelming at first. Even when I was reading through it, I was like, man, this is kind of jargony. <laughs> like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of words on here that I need to think about what they mean. But something that really stood out to me was under personnel. And it said, principle 3.1 states the following. We shall provide staff members with safe and supportive working conditions that respect human dignity, honor confidences, and permit them to carry out their responsibilities through performance evaluation, written grievance procedures, constructive feedback, and opportunities for continuing professional development and advancement. So the first little part of that, and I'm going to throw you a little, a little curveball, Janae. Let's see if I can answer it. I know you can handle it. So the first little part of that, where it talks about providing staff members with safe and supportive working conditions that respect human dignity. What does that, because I know what it meant to me when I read that as a former preschool teacher, as a former provider, what's that mean to you when you hear that? You know, Colleen, it simply says that you have to build relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to build something safe and something where you can trust someone, you have to build a relationship. You know, you just can't hire someone and say, go to work. I mean, you can do that, yeah. um, but that's like a robot. Mm-hmm. Um But when you build uh, intentional, and I say intentional for a reason, everything that we do should be intentional, but building intentional uh, relationships help you to understand who you're working with. Um, It helps you to be relatable. Um, It helps you to have difficult conversations like those performance evaluations. If something, you know, were to occur, you're able to have those relations, those those conversations because you've already established a relationship, a rapport with your staff or your staff has established a, a, a rapport with you. That is exactly where my brain went to. And I also thought about I need to feel safe when I come to work. So that means I need to feel like respected that my uh, my team is there to support me, too. And I need to have that respect piece. And you're so right about that relationship. If we're going to have performance evaluations and I have a supervisor or a director who I think doesn't care for me or doesn't respect me or doesn't even like me, maybe, and they're going to give me this feedback, I'm going to take that on the defense right away. I'm I'm going to be very defensive. So I think. And then that also messes with the, the, the safety feeling Mm -hmm. safe. It's like you're vulnerable because this person doesn't like you 
Yeah. <laughs> and so you are not going into an environment where you like to be, mm-hmm. uh, which in turns not only affects you, yeah. but it affects our children, our little scholars. And so that's the one thing that we have to make sure it doesn't happen. I love that. And you're so right about hitting the nail on the head with relationships and intentional, authentic and genuine relationships, not even, not only with just the little scholars and the families, but with each other. So if you're working in a center or if you're working with others, having that intentionality behind building that relationship, because then in turn, the very end of this little statement under principle 3.1 talks about opportunities for continuing professional development and advancement. So if I feel like if Janae is my center director and I feel like Janae has my back and Janae wants me to succeed and Janae wants me to grow because she knows if I grow, who grows? (laughs) Kids. Kids, right? Everybody grows. Yeah. If I grow, everybody gets better. My coworkers grow, our families grow, the children grow. So again, that little relationship piece of it is going to filter into all of those things that that little principle states. So I just want to highlight that. And then I want to give you the opportunity, Janae, to talk about all the avenues that people have here. We have so many. We really do. We like we really do. If we start breaking it down and sharing out and listing out all the opportunities that we have here in Nebraska for professional development and advancement, it's amazing. And Janae is behind a lot of this. She is. You are. You are behind the scenes pushing this. And it's why it was so exciting when I learned that you said yes (laughs) to the podcast, because I want you to share about it because I'm I'm going to let you go because I want you to make sure that our audience knows that we have so many things happening here with professional development and maybe even specifically give them glimpses about how CDA can help support that principle, that 3.1 of growing um, opportunities for advancement, all of that. I just want to hear your insight on that. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. Talk to us. So, you know, uh, to speak a little bit on professional development, for those that are not seeking a CDA, there are tons of opportunities out there. We have an automatically accepted list that is filled with some phenomenal training organizations. Some of them are even free. Some of them are at low cost. Um, And you can find all that information on, um, on our website our Office of Early Childhood website. So it's education.ne.gov backslash OEC. Um, And you can find all of that information right there uh, for you when you click on professional development. Um, But I really want to talk to you about something that has been a part of my heart for now going on three years. Uh, So the CDA work in Nebraska has been going on for a minute. Um, I feel like it has been a, a short minute, but then when you get in the, the, the groove of things, it's actually longer. Um, and so we realized early on that Nebraska has a lot going on. Um, and so we wanted to streamline that process for candidates uh, to be able to earn their CDA. Um, and so we had to ask ourselves, what does that look like? You know, uh, how what's the difficulties? What are the roadblocks that many people go through? Um, and so we uh, brought together 
some phenomenal organizations along with the, the Department of Education. And we looked at some different things. Um, so we began to look at uh, who offered professional development in Nebraska and outside of Nebraska for the CDA, what types of programs were out there at our community college level. Um, mm -hmm. And we found a wealth of information and found out that there uh, were organizations that were doing uh, different parts um, in the state that were working on the same objective. Um, so we decided to pull together those organizations um, and create what we call the CDA Roundtable. And so in this group, uh, we were seeking to make sure that we were bringing together everyone instead of working in our different silos because we're all working on the same project. Mm -hmm. um, and so in that, we wanted to make sure not just um, outback that up because Oftentimes, I have to explain this. Um, usually when I give this presentation, I have to really like dig deep because I feel like if I say it, then other organizations might decide to do things intentionally. Mm -hmm. um, and so oftentimes we get all of these voices together um, and we just want their feedback. And then we take their feedback and then we go in the back of the scenes and we create blah, blah, blah. But I wanted something different. Myself and our department wanted something different. We wanted to work together cohesively on building this together. So everyone has a buy-in, everyone has a heart invested in this. And that is the way that you move things forward. Yes. Is, is you work together collaboratively. Don't just ask for the voices, but include the voices on those projects working together so they can see that they are leaders. Um, so throughout this process, we, um, we have connections and we partnered with, um, with our CD Roundtable on a national level, the CDA Council uh, mm -hmm. for Professional Recognition from our office, the Office of Early Childhood, Step Up to Quality, um, and then the Career Technical and Adult Education. Um, regionally, we've worked with um, our Early Learning Connection Coordinator representatives uh, from the college area. We've worked, uh, we're working with Nebraska Extension. Um, we have on the roundtable also Metro Community College, Central, Northeastern, and some other partners too as well. And then we have some uh, local organizations that are also on the roundtable uh, with us, uh, NECC, Rooted uh, in Relationships, Lexington. We have uh, a directors, we have Head Start, we have teachers in the field, we have trainers, we have PDC specialists that are currently PD specialists. Um, so this group, as you can see, they have a wealth of knowledge. Just one person can't do this streamline. So yeah. we're bringing everybody together. Um, and through our work together, we've been able to complete phase one um, and of our project. So we've been able to build a skeleton structure for Nebraska CDA pathway. Um, we've been able to work with Extension on making sure we have PD specialists across 
Nebraska and training for new and current PD specialists that are already extension educators already, um, working with the NDE's CTE team, which is the career technical education team on their standards. So being able to write off out of high school, you know, mm-hmm. earning your CDA, you know, is your first best great start. Um, and so being able to develop a tool that early childhood providers um, can use currently right now to obtain their CDA. So we developed a page um, on our OEC site. So earlier I told you that it was at the education.ne.gov backslash OEC. Um, if you click on professional and then you click on education, you'll see where it says Nebraska CDA pathway. And on that particular website, it has all the organizations, mm-hmm. all the colleges that offer CDA. It even tells you if they offer a coach, um, if they offer um, it in uh, Spanish, Um, It it just gives you a wealth of knowledge right now. So we're still working on some things. Uh, We're getting ready to move on into phase two. Uh, We just finished up uh, getting a partnership with the uh, Council for Professional Recognition, uh, making sure that our colleges will be able to offer courses. So every college in Nebraska uh, is able to offer these courses that meet the requirement minimum of 10 training hours in each eight subject areas. I mean, it was amazing. We were so excited that we were able to do that in phase one. That was the biggest thing. Um, That and PD specialists across the state. Um, So we're excited about that. So we're moving right into phase two this year. And we're kind of really honing in on the roadblocks um, Mm -hmm. that teachers or that early childhood professionals um, have with getting their CDA. So what does that look like? Is it a language barrier? Mm -hmm. Is it um, filling out the application? Is it the assessment? Like, what are the barriers? How can we help as a state and as the different organizations come together to make sure that we help those providers do what they need to do. Um, And so with that, we're also working with the um, career technical education team, continuing to revise those high school standards um, so that when they, you know, graduate, they have their CDA. Um, We're working on connecting uh, CDA candidates with community organizations Um, to help support them because, you know, oftentimes we don't want to go the college route. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes providers just feel like they want to go to an organization like a training and do it that way and versus doing the college route. But we feel as though if they get their CDA, that's one foot in the door to possibly moving on to getting their college degree. So Anything we can help with and push it forward, that's what we're doing. Um, And then the last thing for our phase two is like really working on the how-to guide. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes we give a lot of people a lot of information, um, but not really steps on how to go through the process. And so we have conversations on a daily basis of how to walk a person through, but we don't have a document. So that's what we're working on now. Um, Our team meets quarterly uh, throughout the year, and then uh, the small committees meet, you know, 
on a monthly basis just to make sure the projects are still going on and on. So we're excited about the CDA. Me too. <laughs> and I love so much of what you just shared a lot with us. And I, a big takeaway for me from what you just shared is that there are so many do-gooders here working together and you are behind the scenes streamlining that. And I just want to say a big thank you to you specifically, Janae. I know it's not just you, but you're you're driving this train. And I love what you mentioned about it's important to get everybody's voice, but then so oftentimes we just go and do the behind the scenes work. And that's not what you're doing. You're like, no, no, no. <laughs> if we're going to promote growth and change here and really get this streamlined, we all have to do it together and collaborate. That's so amazing. Mm -hmm. That that It gave me goosebumps when you said that. It really did. I just thought, gosh, this is... This is why Nebraska is so great. <laughs> this is why Janae is so cool because she's really thinking outside of the box instead of just, she could just do this on her own and create something, but it wouldn't be as authentic. And we'd almost be working against each other, mm -hmm. um, not on purpose, but in a weird way. Like, let's just all come together and figure out what can we offer? How can we streamline it? I love what you said about how often times this earning your CDA can almost be like a gateway step into continuing on. And that's what, when we were talking a little bit about professionalism and continuing on and professional development, CDA is part of that. And I know as a teacher, once you get in that mindset of, I already know everything, I don't need to know, I already can do it. I was there. I did. I had that nasty attitude at the end. At the end, I regret it now because I'm like, gosh, I deliver PD. This is a, uh, ooh, uh, this could have really helped me. Um, so it is a scary place when we arrive at that mindset that we no longer have a growth mindset. And we talked about that on a previous podcast with Becky Morton. Um, we talked about why it matters to continue to grow. So talk to me, Janae, wh what about everything I just said right there? And like, why does it matter for our early childhood professionals to continue their learning journey in the field? Why, why is that a big deal? Yeah, sure. Um, so oftentimes, uh, some leaders consider themselves as they have arrived. Yeah. Um, and so they feel as though uh, that they don't need to learn anymore. And why should they? Because they know everything. You know, they're in charge of umpteen staff. And, you know, so they don't even have time to do this. You know, and I'm speaking to my directors out there. Um, and so which in fact they have not. And yeah. so it is detrimental, not only to the leader, but to those they lead. Uh, you are never done with learning until your last breath is what I usually say. Um, being a fluent learner will help you continue to sharpen your skills. Um, it will help you continue to evolve as things change over time. Uh, this is very crucial to our field because our field changes constantly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes gaining knowledge can put you in a better position, um, such as a higher level level paying job or, mm -hmm. you know, just a place of influence, um, being a mentor. Um, and so you always want to uh, continue to learn as you 
go. Um, for instance, I started out in early childhood as a teen and then went on to become a teacher after graduating from Virginia State. Um, as each year went on, I continued growing. Um, and when I continued to grow, my scholars continued to grow yeah. or whoever I was with they continue to grow as well. Um, and now I'm working in administration, you know, yeah. uh, but still doing what I love to do, which is ultimately helping little scholars succeed. I love that. And I feel the same way. Like I am, I feel like once I got rid of that mindset of, I know what I'm doing, you don't, nobody needs to tell me anything. <laughs> I can just do it. Uh, and now that I have this attitude of, oh my gosh, there's so much more for me to learn. What you said about in our field, current trends change. We know right. what is tried and true developmentally appropriate practices. Those are pretty set. But current trends go, woo, the pendulum swings back and forth. So the only thing that stays the same is everything changes. <laughs> so we have to be able to have that idea of, I want to be the best version of me so I can serve those kids and be a big, bright light. And I, I love what you mentioned about that. And I like that you spoke directly to our leaders. I think that's a, that can be a trap that you might fall into sometimes. <laughs> you have not arrived. <laughs> you have not arrived. I have not and arrived. I constantly have to tell myself that on a daily yeah. basis. And get myself out of, okay, I have to do this. I have to do my work. Yes, I have to do my work, but I also have to sharpen my skills. Yeah. Isn't that true? I feel that I still sub as, because I love kids and I like teaching and it is, uh, I learned more actually having to go and walk the walk than I do talking the talk. And it just makes me realize how much more I still have to learn and grow as an educator and as a professional. Um, so I think that is, yeah, it, I've been knocked off my high horse. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I'm getting my, my booty kicked in the classroom again and it feels really good, but it's hard. <laughs> and it just shows me how much more I need to continue pushing that and it doesn't even necessarily have to be with earning my degree. It just means, like you mentioned, we have so many opportunities of free <laughs> professional development that we offer. And you can always get it. You get out what you put in. So right. if I go in to any program, a CDA program, if I go into an associate's degree uh, or a free pre PD session that I signed up for on the training calendar with this attitude of <clears throat> I'm just here to get it done, get my hours. I don't get anything out of it versus if I come in and say, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope right. I learned something. It really is in your control, I feel, with that professionalism piece. So I love it. I love that we were able to kind of guide folks where to go to find that code of ethical conduct. And you shared so much about how uh, CDA pathways are getting streamlined. You even shared... Share the web uh, website one more time, Janae, please. Uh, it is education.ne.gov backslash OEC. I love that. Okay. Well, we like to end the Stepping Up podcast the same way with every guest by asking them about their why. So I can already, I already have an idea of what you're going to say, but I want to hear you say it. So tell us what's your why. Why do you love your job? Why do you keep showing up? 
So if you haven't guessed it uh, already, the theme surrounding, you know, this conversation already, um, it is helping build a solid foundation for little scholars uh, to be successful um, wherever they are. Uh, so now that I do not work directly with the little ones, I impact those that do, um, which is still very meaningful uh, and, and powerful, uh, which makes it easier to reach more scholars. Um, at first, moving on into, you know, the role that I was, you know, granted, I did miss me, you know, seeing the kids every day and doing our, you know, our little thing, our songs and things like that. But I always knew a long time ago, in order to reach more, you have to go to who is reaching those. Yes. Um, and so I keep showing up to work because I truly believe that my purpose in life is to help people find purpose and pursue it, help educators maneuver through sometimes some difficult paths and help people realize that for their first best step in the world is working with children because those little scholars turn into adults who understand the meaning of quality education. Um, and in return, you have people like me and many others who choose to be dedicated to our field that come back with individual experiences that they've had as, you know, growing up as kids because mm -hmm. they had wonderful early childhood professionals that loved and nurtured them. Um, and so I challenge um, any and every person that listens to this podcast, um, keep doing what you're doing. We know that it's hard. Trust me, I know that it's hard um, out there. I know that there are different pathways that you can go. And but we want to say thank you uh, for doing what you do each and every day because you change a child every second in the amount of smiles that you give. So continue to smile, wipe away those tears and know that it's going to be okay and know that we are here to help and support you be the best you that you can be. Oh, I don't think we could have ended someone's why any better than that. That needs to be, I, I mean, maybe we just need to take this little recording and have Janae go across the stage. <laughs> Like that was such a solid why and so encouraging. And today, I just want to say thank you to you for all that you do to support. And you have your why is solid. That's maybe the most solid why I've heard yet. And I've heard a lot of solid whys. That was great. I just, I appreciate you so much. And thank you for sharing uh, with our audience, your, your knowledge and, and from your heart. It just was a joy to speak with you today, Janae. So thanks thank for joining us. You're welcome. Let's do it again. That was fun. <laughs> so thank you everyone for spending quality time with us. Please join us again as we chat about future topics to support our Nebraskan providers on their journeys with Step Up Quality. Until next time, bye-bye.